Chapter 13, Mr. Kermit No one can stop the passage of time. I've tried. It can't be done. Case in point, every year in early October, Spirit Week comes along. It's like death and taxes. Actually, my 106-year-old grandfather is doing a better job at putting off death than I am avoiding Spirit Week. There's only one word for it, inevitable. At the sight of the truck from Oriental Trading, I head for the faculty lounge, fill the toilet bowl with coffee, and sit in a dark corner, stealing myself for what's ahead. My fellow teachers cast sympathetic glances in my direction, but no one approaches me directly. They know there's nothing they can say. Already, those South African air horns from Hades have begun to sound in the halls. Once the mother load is passed out, the noise will begin beyond imagination. When the cacophony starts, I resolve to close my eyes and dream of June, of early retirement, of another life beyond these walls. I'll unwind, relax, maybe travel, avoiding South Africa, of course, and any other countries where the Vuvuzelas are part of the local culture. That's the only thing with, uh, with half a chance of getting me through this, the thought that this spirit week, awful as it is, will be my last. I arrive at room 117 to find it empty. For a fleeting instance, I toy with the possibility that my dreams have come true and every single one of my students is absent on the same day. Maybe, they'll, maybe they all gave each other mono. That would mean that I could miss Spirit Week altogether. The intercom interrupts that pleasant thought. Mr. Kermit, it's Bonnie Fox in the nurse's office. I've got Bernard Anderson here with me. That name doesn't ring a bell, Bernard. You know, the boy they call Barnstrom? Someone stepped on his foot, but when I asked for a name, he clammed up. I'm worried that they might be some kind of bully involved. I almost asked if the others are there with him, but I keep my mouth shut. On the off chance that it's true, she might send them all back. He's... Already got crutches, but that seems to be unrelated, the nurse goes on. I've iced the foot, but Bernard refuses to let me call his parents. He says he doesn't want to miss anything. Spirit week, I mutter. Even students who are deliberately excluded still find something irresistible about this three-ring circus. Into the intercom, I add, Well, thanks for letting me know. Please don't feel... You have to send him back to class anytime soon. Take your time. We don't want to risk re-injury. I break the connection. One mystery solved. Six to go. Except, is it a real mystery if you don't care? Just the fact that they're absent is enough for me. At that moment, the PA system crackles to life. Your attention, please. It's Principal Vargas. Her voice seems higher pitched than usual and a little shrill, like she's under stress. Seven large cartons are missing from the loading bay. That's all the Vuvuzelas for Spirit Weeks. Perhaps someone thinks this is a joke. I assure you it isn't. This is stealing, pure and simple. If the school doesn't get their property back immediately, we'll turn the matter over to the police. I sit down at my desk and open the paper to the crossword puzzle. Who would have believed that Spirit Week could start out such in a hopeful note? First, no students. Next, no vuvuzelas. How could it be better? 
Superintendent Thaddeus being abducted by aliens? I frown. Missing students? Missing Vuzuelas. Miss Fountain bursts in from next door at the sight of the empty desk. She exclaims, Mr. Kermit, where are your students? I shook her a coy look. Shh, you'll jinx it. But, but, totally flustered, she rushes across the room and yanks up the Venetian blinds. An appalling sight meets my eyes. A pickup truck is jouncing across the schoolyard. Not just any truck, Parker's truck. The payload is piled high with boxes. Parker is at the wheel, his face and shoulder crowded up against the driver's side window by the rest of the missing unteachables. Three more jog alongside the pickup. They hate me, I exclaim. Of course they don't hate you, Miss Fountain shoots back. Why would you say such a thing? They know how much I can't stand Vuzela's. They're cornering the market so they can torture me forever. Come on. She grabs my arm and literally drags me to the nearest exit. We've got to stop them before this becomes a police matter and the children end up in trouble. Out on the lawn, she runs after them. So I run too. I haven't run in 15 years and I'm not good at it. Six steps, I'm out of breath. Gasping and wheezing, struggling to keep up, I reflect once again how much Emma Fountain is like her mother. In the middle of a crisis, her number one concern is that of the children shouldn't get in trouble. Why not? Trouble was invented for juvenile delinquents who do things like this. Fiona was the same way, and her one-time fiancé used to be just as naive. Until a certain seventh grader named Jake Terranova showed me how the real world worked. A glance over my shoulder reveals that Emma and I aren't the only ones chasing after the runaway unteachables. It looks like half of the faculty is racing across the grass, running full tilt. Christina Vargas is in the lead. But wait, who's that inching ahead of her? Oh no, it's Dr. Thaddeus. The superintendent's face is bright red, and he's sweating all over his hand-tailored silk suit. Not far behind the leaders is Barnstrom, thumping, swinging skillfully on his crutches. The kid really is a great athlete. He's having no problem keeping ahead of Nurse Fox and the custodial staff. Even a couple of lunch ladies have joined the stampede. Up ahead, the pickup stops in the spray of dirt and grass. The Antichos set about unloading the big boxes, yanking them out of the payload. What's that noise? Emma tosses over her shoulder. I hear it too. A low hissing rumble. The Greenwich River. The students have the boxes ripped open and lined up along the river bank as if they're planning to... The truth hits me like a cannonball in the stomach, knocking the wind out of me. Or maybe it just feels that way because I have so little wind left. They're not stealing the Vuzelas. They're going to dump them. I resolved long ago never again to waste any brain activity wondering what makes a bunch of rotten kids do what they do. But this is something that can't be ignored. Hijack a shipment of Vuzelas only to throw them away? Why? Aldo's voice reaches me from the riverbank. It's Ribbit! What happens next might be the strangest part in, in, of an already bizarre episode. The unteachables, caught red-handed in the middle of a ridiculous crime, all start cheering. 
What choice do I have but to try to get to the bottom of this? I charge up to the group. Has everyone gone crazy? I demand, panting from the long sprint. What could possibly be the point of... That's all the breath I have left. I double over, clutching my thighs, gasping. We did it, Mr. K. Parker crows. We got the Vuzils, all 1,000 of them. 1,008, Mateo corrects. At this point, it's just babble. I saw the shipment in the loading bay. Elaine created a distraction on Barnstrom's foot. We got the idea from the Grinch. I throw my arms around a carton and pack, pick it up, nearly rupturing a disc in the process. Who knew the box of light plastic horns could be so heavy? It's a titanic struggle to get it up over my shoulder. We're taking all these back to the school right now, I exclaim, voice strain. Honestly, what were you kids thinking? Kiana, Kiana regards me earnestly. We know how much how much you hate Spirit Week, Mr. Kermit. We took the Vuzelas because you hate them so much. The bulky carton freezes on its unsteady perch on my shoulder. The thoughts knifes through my oxygenated, starved brain. They're doing this for me? Kermit! roars an enraged Dr. Thaddeus. Control your students. I barely hear him. The flood of emotions brings me back decades to a time before Jake Terranova and the cheating scandal, back when I was Emma's age and I'd step into the classroom every morning with high hopes of shaping young minds. The mere memory of the teacher I used to be causes my posture to straighten, and that might explain why the giant box of Vuzelas overbalances. I cry in alarm as the cotton tips over, taking it with me. As I fall, a hundred and forty-four go-go golden eagle Vuzelas drop out of their container into the water. I'm only a split second behind them, plunging headfirst into the river, into... A not-so-graceful reverse swan dive. The cold water delivers a shock to my central nervous system, starting my heart beating triple time. Shivering, I break the surface just in time to see my students scrambling, tumbling, jumping, and bellow-flopping to my rescue. Even Barnstrom joins the mission, flinging aside his crutches and hurling himself into the drink. In the process, the kids manage to overturn the other boxes and kick most of the remainder of the shipment into the river with them. In a moment that definitely not covered in the teacher's college, standing with your entire class in chest-high water while a thousand and eight bobbling vuzelas drift downstream, Elaine has Mateo by the collar to keep him from sailing away with the noisemakers of all the miserable things that have ever happened to me during spirit week over the years this ranks about sixth the end